Microphone check, check. Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. And I have a very special guest today in my kitchen. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Maggie Bayard. <laughs> I said it right? Pretty good. Bayard? Baird. Baird. Scottish. Yeah, B A. I always get this wrong. People listen to podcasts. I always fuck up everybody's last names. And I'm sorry, man. <laughs> okay. Maggie Pretty Baird. close. Scottish? Scottish. Maggie It's a, it's a cool name. There's so much things. Everybody knows about your family, obviously, but there's so many things about you. I did <clears throat> my research. Obviously, you're from Colorado. I grew up in Colorado. Which I love. It's a beautiful place. It is. It's so beautiful. And how was it growing up there? Um, I loved it. I loved it. I grew up in a little town, a tiny town of like 2,500 people, I think, when I lived there. Wow. Fruta. And near a big town. A <laughs> big town. It's really small, <laughs> too. Grand Junction. Um, it was beautiful. You know, very outdoorsy, lots of camping trips. Yeah. Beautiful. I I loved my town. I love outdoors. I ultimately feel felt a little, um, I don't, there's a certain amount of fear I had in a small town. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> I know what you're saying, yeah. Something when I moved to, I went to school in Utah and then I went to New York City and I don't know, I found it sort of comforting to be like, Shut your door, lock your door, lock your door. Just, yeah. I don't know, small town, there's a certain, you know, all the serial killers come by, mm. you know what I mean? <laughs> I like the energy of lots of people. I don't, I, yeah, I, just, I'm a city slicker. There's a certain, uh, I like the anonymity of a lot of people, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, yeah. a small town, you know, the whole like everybody knows you, like that's a good and a bad thing. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed the, you know, privacy or anonymity mm -hmm. of being in New York. Yeah. So you went from so you went from there to Utah for college, right? I did, yeah. I, because I, my brothers went there to ski, and then I went there secretly to ski. But I was a dance major, so you weren't supposed to say that you skied, but to mm. dance, and then I and do theater. Yeah, yeah. And, and what got you into uh, the dancing and the theater stuff? Like, like what was your inspiration Honestly, my to whole do that? life, <clears throat> from the time I was the littlest child, I said I wanted to be an actor. Okay. I don't, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> like two years old, my parents were like, I'm going to be an actor. Never changed. It wasn't life. a show. It wasn't a certain actor. It was nothing like that. Oh, there were certain actors I loved for sure. Um, when I was little, I loved Lily Tomlin. Mm. I loved um, Laugh-In. Or Laugh-In, yeah. Yeah. I loved Goldie Hawn. You know, I think that was probably Jane Fonda. I loved mm. Capaloo. Okay. In fact, later, Billy discovered Capaloo too. Oh, wow. I, I told this story recently, which I'd totally <laughs> forgotten, but I think it's an, a, a strangely interesting story, which is that when I was when I was a little kid, I loved this movie, Capaloo with Jane Fonda. Okay. And we only had a drive. We had two drive-in movie theaters and two little theaters in in the bigger town near us. Yeah. And Capaloo was coming to the drive-in. You know, you only saw movies when they came to the movie and they'd come like once a year. You yeah. know, you'd go see whatever it was. Capaloo was coming and we were going to be on a family camping trip. Okay. And I was <laughs> devastated. And so my parents l told me to write a letter. So I wrote a letter to the um, owners of the drive-in movie theater explaining my my terrible wow. <laughs> sadness at missing Capaloo. <laughs> and would they extend it for another week till oh we came home? God. And they did. Wow. <laughs> and I always think like... You know, they say with kids with parenting, you want to help your kids learn that they have power, that they yeah. have, they can take action and make change. And that's such a stupid story, but I think it, it's proof. it made a difference to me. Yeah. I was like, I wrote a letter and they changed it. You know? Yeah, that, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Did you continue writing letters for things moving <laughs> forward? <laughs> That's um, so cool, though. Yeah, I think it just gave me that sense that you know you you know you could make something happen. You know. Yeah, you're such a supportive uh, parent. Were your parents like that too? My parents really were. I mean, it was a different era, so you know, somewhat manifested in a different way. But um, my dad chose his career to be with his kids. Like he, he decided he was a school teacher. Yeah. He picked that career not only because he loved it, but because the hours were family, mm-hmm. you know, not so much anymore. I think teachers have to work insane hours, but it yeah. used to be, you know, you worked eight to three. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. coached one sport a year kind of a deal. Yeah. Worked in the summer on the Colorado National Monument, you know, and my, my mom was home and she, you know, was, you know, making our birthday cakes and kind yeah. of classic making my, all my clothes. You wow. Know? Dent, you know, homeroom parent. So they were super involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. She later had a, a business when, when I was a bit older. She actually worked at the school. I now remember she was a secretary at the school. But yeah, very same thing. Home when I got mm-hmm. home. Always around. When, when the summer vacation, they were there. Tight family. After school, they were there. Your yeah. brothers and sisters? Two brothers, older brothers. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. You guys are tight too? Yeah, I'm very close to my brothers. Unfortunately, my mom died in her 50s. Oh, wow. Sorry. Suddenly of a heart attack. Heart attack. Wow. Yeah. And my father died. Um, he also had a massive heart attack, but he died of something else. He died of later of pulmonary fibrosis. Wow. Yeah. So 50s I, is young. I've not had the pleasure of having parents with my children, mm. which is really sad, which I think, to be honest, probably affects how I parent also. Yeah. I think losing your parents, um, it informs how you parent. You you never have a sense of uh, taking anything for granted. Yeah. Frankly, I wish sometimes I could take things for granted more. <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, it's very painful to always be aware, mm-hmm. to always, always have had the experience of like things can change in a, in a second. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I, I lost my. I'm pushing this close to you a little bit. Oh yeah, sorry. That's I have okay. a, a terrible allergies kicking up right now. I lost my dad when um he was 33 and I was oh. three. He had a rare heart condition, so my mom raised three boys on her own. So I could oh. totally relate to that. So then becoming a parent, yeah, you just want to be the best you can be. You know what I mean? Give all that. That realizing now, looking back, that my mom raised three boys on her own. I have the utmost respect for her. Even though we had our times where she kicked me out when I was 17, I moved to New York by myself. All that w- was meant to happen, but. There was resentment there for a while, but obviously we're in a good place now. But just looking at my mom, how she raised three boys, it must have been so difficult. I Can can't you imagine. imagine? Yeah. And un- really by herself, too. Like, I mean, she married this one guy, but he wasn't good enough for her three boys. So we kind of <laughs> ran him out. You know what I mean? There was nobody. Like, my dad was a real true love, you know? Wow. So I, she had a couple of boyfriends. And yeah, we, we always bump heads. We're always protective of her, you know? Yeah. I can't imagine doing it alone, to be honest. Yeah. It's so hard. It's crazy. I mean, it's hard enough just not having grandparents or, you know, my brothers don't live close. It's yeah. hard enough with no family around, mm-hmm. you know, to be on your own. Yeah, it's so. when you become one, too, you see it so differently. Um, yeah. All right, so you're, so you're in college, whatever, and then you your major is theater and acting, correct? Yes. And then how you end up going to New York? Do you get a scholarship there or something? or end up uh, No, I just one day was in, um, you know, I went to college. I think it, um, I don't know, I, I was saying this to you personally earlier, like my... My dad was a school teacher and a principal, but I was always pretty, my my, bro, my oldest brother quit high school, went to college, quit college, went to law school. Um, yeah. So I'd, I kind of had already sort of seen that you could piece together your what you needed, right? Yeah. So I just went to college and I took all the classes I wanted to take 
I didn't take classes with a, you know, I, I, I had a graduation, to be honest. I yeah. took some tests that let me skip a year of college, and then I just took the classes I wanted. And then I was in, uh, I re- actually remember it very well, because I was in a, a, a drama history class, right? Yeah. And um, something, some conversation started that was interesting for a change. Mm-hmm. And I was asking all these questions, and it was really an interesting discussion, and someone in the class, this is a college class, by the way, somebody said, why are we talking about this? This is not going to be on the test. Mm. In a college class. I was like, (laughs) that is insane. I literally walked out of the classroom. This is so dramatic, it sounds embarrassing, (laughs) but it's true. I walked out of the classroom to the registrar's office and and resigned from school. Wow. <laughs> How long have you been going there for? Um, two and a half years. Wow. And I moved to New York. Now, I actually moved via a, comp- a Shakespeare company in okay. Lenox, Massachusetts. So I had I knew what my summer plan was. I was going to work at this Shakespeare company yeah. in Lenox, Massachusetts. So I, I had a plan. Yeah. But then I extended the plan to, and then I will move to New York City. So that's what I did. Wow. Is that a major culture shock going from Utah to New York City? Yes. It's so insane. It's such a drastic difference. Oh, I remember. Like, I, this is so not true, though. But I remember, like, also because you know your view of New York City at that time was just from movies, and totally. they're always just like the worst taxi you know, driver. All yeah. That. Oh my god, taxi driver completely was the one <laughs> yeah. because I'm like, my, I remember sitting on on my bed, and my brother was home from college, and he was in grad school. I think one of my brothers, and he was like, "I'm so nervous of you moving to New York City," and I'm like, "I know. I'm so afraid I'm going to get shot," and you know. <laughs> Like, I know, like, I thought it was like a war zone, literally like, like the war warriors. Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, but I have to do it. You know, I have to go pursue my dream. Wow. <laughs> you know, it was nothing like that, of course. You know, you move there and it's, it's great. What year would that have been? Um, 81, 81. Wow, New York was no joke in 81. <laughs> I moved there in 88 and it was still crazy, but 81, that's. It was no joke. No, it's wow. true. It's true. It was, it was intense. It was a little bit intense. <laughs> but you went there and you made it. That's awesome. You started everything there, pretty much, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was a work. I am a working class actor. I certainly yeah. was. You know, I went there, did regional theater. That's yeah. kind of what you do. Um, how did I have? This is an interesting story I've never told. Let's hear it. I feel like oh, should I even tell the story? But I, yes, I, you know, I was with an agent. I got an agent very, very quickly. Kind of an agent was probably too big for me. Like, why would I get such an agent? Somebody recommended me, and then. I never got really any jobs from that agent. Mm. I, I would just go to these open calls at yeah. the Equity Lounge and um, you know go audition for things, open calls, and I got a bunch of jobs from that. Yeah. Um, so I'd go do regional theater, and I really never got anything from this kind of really well-known agent. And and then years later, I met somebody who'd worked at that agency. Not years later, but after it's a long story. I ended up yeah. leaving them, etc. And they said, uh, "Hey, you know." Just so you know, I worked there, as you know. And she goes, um, we were instructed to say that you were out of town when someone called for you for a job. What? Yeah, because I didn't know this at the time. I learned it later. There was a certain amount in that era, it's a long time ago, yeah. where um, agents would do this thing called shelving people. So they mm. would take on sort of all the people in a category, right? Yeah. So in my case, it was like this agent had like all the girls that were like 21, young 20s. Yeah. I had like curly, you know, Irish, whatever. Yeah. I hit all of them. And then he would shelve them all, except like one or two, right? Yeah. Take you off the market, basically. Okay. So that was 
That was not just a nice. Just so nobody else could have you. Nobody, yeah, because it was like if you take away the competition, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that sucked Kinda to evil. learn that. Yeah, very evil. Uh, yeah. Um, but didn't stop me. I got a lot of jobs from from going to open calls. You yeah, know? I have a list of some of your jobs. You're probably not going to want to talk oh about gosh. any of them, all of them. <laughs> but in another world in 1981. That was like one of my first jobs. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that show. And you know what? I got that job not from the agent, but because I went to an open call for like you know, regional theater and it was the same casting person. So, wow. So yeah, that, that's a big deal back then. That was a big show. Big deal. Yeah. And I played Rhonda Sadowski, the bad manicurist. <laughs> and then, um, the Iceman Cometh was on, on Broadway was the first thing you did in 85. Um, was I, that the first that, big one. Well, I did, I did a lot of regional theater between okay, okay. those, but that was my first time on Broadway. And I mean, I was only on Broadway when I went on as an understudy, but <laughs> the other understudy was Stanley Tucci. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's fun. Um, and then As the World Turns, were you on that too as well? I was on that for a year. Yeah. That's, that's a big a, one too. That was a big one. Yeah, my mom died suddenly at the while I was on that. So that was wow. really rough. But um, yeah, that was, yeah. And, and, and those were jobs at the time. Like you were a theater actor and you did a soap opera. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you could kind of do both. Yeah. You know, you could do a play at night and a soap opera in the day if you, if you were lucky. So problems were so big back then. They were so big and they, they paid so well. I mean, now looking back, it wasn't that great. But yeah, back then. To, to, oh, it was amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember like I had one year on that soap opera and, I, you know, I, I thought, wow, I, I, I can finally, you know, have some money. <laughs> you know, it was only one year. The next year, nothing. You know? Yeah. Were you um, living in Manhattan too? Yeah, I lived in Manhattan. So different back then too. So different. I had pretty good apartment karma. I got a pretty good place. You know, once again, then f- eventually found out that your landlord was scamming you and whatever, you know. Was but it like downtown? like No, side, uh, my husband, who I met doing a play in Alaska, yeah. Patrick, we met on a plane going to Alaska. But he had a place in the village. But my I, my place, I had one on West 86th. Okay. And then when Patrick and I moved into a place on West 88th nice. and Broadway and Amsterdam. Uptown. Uptown. Um, and then you had your first movie, An Innocent Man. That was the first film debut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is so weird. Nobody ever talks about this. I'm doing, I, did deep, <laughs> I did deep dive on you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know what's cool about that? I turned 30 years old wow. shooting that movie. I thought I was so old. <laughs> uh, so old. And um, I shot on my birthday. And I was like, this is the start of my big career, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it was the one weird year where the Academy Awards was not on a Monday or later it became a Sunday. It was like on a Thursday or something. Yeah. And my, I was shooting on my birthday and, uh, I thought this was all so auspicious. Of course the movie came out, all my lines were cut, you know, ah. I was still in it. I was yeah. playing like a, you know, meth a crack in person. I was still, I was still in it, but I, all my lines were gone. You know, there's nothing like, and it's happened to me many times. Well, <laughs> you get cut, you mean? You're sitting in the movie and you're like, oh, that, that should have been me. That was my part, yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. Damn. Sometimes they tell you, like I got cut out of a Zach Galifianakis thing two years ago oh. between two ferns movie but the what? whole the whole family got cut out we had okay. a whole scene like the okay. whole family whole got all gone they had told us at least they gave okay. us warning I've, I've been warned a few times that i've been cut but other times i've sat in the movie theater and been like oh god you want to die Wait for the moment and it's not there <laughs> yeah, it's not there it happens all the time you i'd know? rather be not paid and being being it than get paid and not being it i don't know yeah you're lucky if you stay in the credits because then at least you'll get you know you'll still get paid like residuals etc mm. <laughs> um 
So then you're just grinding then, just doing everything you can, auditions, working. Mm, yeah. Were you working a regular job too? Um, not really. I mean, I kind of was a working class actor, awesome. you know, kind of pieced it together, yeah. you know, not a lot of money, but like just enough. You're making it. Making enough, you know, and uh, I did work in a bakery for a year. It was more for interest than uh, than because they paid me six hours an hour or something. Wow. It wasn't it wasn't a money scheme. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, was, it was interest. But, um, you know, then I started the Groundlings. Um, so that's when yeah. I sort of went on a different path. And then the Chronicles tour too, the Heidi Chronicles tour. Oh, well, tour. that was out of... I lived in New York then. I guess, yeah, I guess I came out and did that movie during a pilot season or yeah. something. And then I did the tour of the Heidi Chronicles. And That was uh, a long tour, it looked like. Yeah, that was like nine months, yeah. Wow. I met some of my best friends. Well, Amy Ryan's still one of my very best friends I met on that tour. Um, yeah, it was really fun though. Touring as an actor is so fun. Um, yeah, you know, because you get to go, especially if you're in the kind of tour we are, and you go sit in a city for two weeks and stay in a hotel and do the show in a beautiful theater, and you got all your nice. cast. It's so fun. Same place every day, like so yeah. much fun. It's not like a music tour where no, you're like different brutal. city and you don't see anything in the no. city. Like we were, like literally two weeks in the Chicago in Chicago, going to Chicago Art Institute. <laughs> you know, what I mean, yeah. it was it was nice, 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 fun life. And so, to go back one second, were you were you raised vegan or vegetarian? That came later. I was not at all, but I wanted to be from my earliest memory. Yeah. My earliest memories of were, were not wanting to eat meat. Mm-hmm. My parents, my brothers didn't want to either. And my parents used to joke, this is Western Colorado. Yeah, my yeah, father yeah. hunted and fished. Wow. Yeah. Um, and he would joke like, our kids are so cheap, you know, because everyone was like, you know, meat is expensive. Steak, yeah. steak is expensive. I never ate a steak in my life. Yeah, me either, actually. Really? No. Oh, so disgusting. Disgusting. I mean, hamburger, those kind of things, you could, you could like, your mind could look, okay, if you burn it and you make it undisguisable, whatever, like it's all they're, <laughs> all they're giving me to eat. Meat you know, unrecognizable. Was, meat loaf was my mom's thing with tons of like onions, all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess undisguisable is not a word. Unre- <laughs> unrecognizable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never wanted to eat it. It was always disgusting. I remember, and I'm not one of those people, like my husband could regale you with stories of his childhood, yeah. you know? His summer camp stories go on forever. He remembers it all. He remembers it all. Well, I don't know. He Maybe he tells the same stories over and over, but he remembers a lot of it. Yeah. I don't, but I do remember very clearly sitting at the dining room table because I would not taste the venison. Mm. And I'm just like, arms crossed, like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I am not eating that. Sitting there for hours and hours. Wow. Yeah. Because you knew where it came from too, especially when I knew where it came from. I'm not. Bambi's mother was hanging in the front yard. I am not eating that. No. And my brothers too. We never wanted to eat it. And, you know, it was a different era, you know? So people were so worried. Like, you have to eat it. You've got to eat protein. My gosh. (laughs) So I remember saying that my brothers became vegetarians when they, like, left the house, basically 17, 18. And I was like, Mm. I want to too. My parents were like, no, you can't. Please, we beg of you. They're so worried. So worried. Beg, beg of you, right? <laughs> so I remember being like seventeen in the kitchen and like having some lunch meat on a on a piece of bread, you know. Yeah. And I I was like, bologna and cheese. I don't have to do this anymore. Like never again. It was like freedom. Yeah. Um. So that that 
That was it. And never. Yeah. And people are like, did you ever cheat? It's like, are you kidding me? I. It's disgusting to me. You know? yeah, once, you, once you go, it's, it's hard. You can never go back. You man. can't go back. Can and back then, it must have been hard, too. That was before people even knew the word vegan or any of that. Yeah. Well, I was only a vegetarian because I did not know yeah, the me word too, vegan. First. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea. And also, I had no idea about dairy and eggs. You yep. know, it's like a little bit like leather. You're like, oh, it's just a byproduct. It's just like extra. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And then you once you learn, you're like, oh, what an idiot I was. But I had no way of knowing. You know, I had literally grew up in, grew up in a small town where I had seen milk come from a cow and it was totally. fairly benign and, yeah. you know, it wasn't a factory farm. Yeah. So I had kind of grown up with that image, you know. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really know what was happening to the chicks. You know, I saw the baby. I played with baby chicks all the time. Wow. Because we had friends who were farmers and they had yeah. baby chicks and I loved those baby chicks. Yeah. No one ever told me what was happening with half of them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, it was very liberating. And then, uh, but it was hard. I remember going to a relative's house for dinner and I, when I moved back East, they were like, go see your uncle and your aunt. Right. Mm -hmm. So I go and, and she had made some chicken dish, you know, Mm. that she had been told I liked from some other relative where I had eaten it, you know, at their house. But you know why I liked it? I didn't really like the chicken. It was in like mushroom soup, oh, right? Okay. So like, yeah, I like the mushroom soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember being like, I'm so sorry, I can't, you know, how you are, you're so apologetic. And they, they yelled at me. They were like- So offended. So mad. My uncle was so mad. Like, how dare you? And why couldn't you just be polite and eat it? And, you know, I felt so bad. And then, and I think <laughs> that probably cemented, unfortunately, you know, about 15 years of me being very apologetic and yeah. very accommodating and like, oh, don't mind me, you know. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. I'll just eat the salad, you know. Some um, dry ass salad. Yeah, <laughs> I just have a salad. Just a salad. Remember how many times did you have Dude. to just eat a salad and a dry baked potato? That or, you put in the Or like salad. a roll too, whatever, oh, yeah. a roll. A Where roll. was kale and quinoa back then? <laughs> Where was that? Why was nobody it talking? It was a weed, I think. <laughs> Nobody's even talking about it back then. I know. I wish we had it back. I had falafels and- Oh, that's those, lucky. Falafels. But those original like kind of hippie patty veggie burgers that kind of fell apart. Yeah. And then Boca oh, yeah. Burgers came. Boca, Boca burgers, burgers. Boca Burgers changed the game. That was like, that was our impossible back then, the Boca they Burger. They really were, yeah. And then the Not Dogs or the Tofu Pups. But I, see, I, by that time, I didn't like anything that tasted like meat. I feel you. So I like the veggie, veggie burgers. Like, I like the burgers. More that healthy. Taste, I just like the way they taste. Yeah. Like, to be honest, I don't get the meat thing. Like, it tastes gross to me. Like, yeah. it tastes seriously disgusting. Yeah. It's not just that I associate it. And maybe it's because I associate it, so I don't know. Yeah. But to me, it tastes really gross. Mm-hmm. I like stuff to taste like grains and vegetables. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, flavorful. I, yeah. Black beans and yeah. they t- they have more flavor actually. Yeah, you know I guess meat has that whatever um- umami, but you can add the umami to the other and then also get the other if mm. that makes sense. Well, you did know? you start cooking back then? I have always At a young cooked. age. I've cooked my whole life. Yeah, I love to cook. When I was little, again, my mom was my mom was a pretty good cook and she was a good baker, and I was I read cookbooks for fun as a kid. I remember getting sent on a trip when I was 14 to go stay with my cousin. She'd had a tragedy, they'd had a tragedy in their family. And so uh, my other cousin had killed himself and it was very sad and uh, heavy, very heavy. And um, so I went to stay with them for a while in the summer. In the airport, I bought cookbooks to read in the plane. 
Wow. I, I loved cookbooks. And then I would come home, you know, and, and I would make all the stuff in the cookbook. I still make this stolen to this day. I veganize them, yeah, you know, yeah. but, um, Are you all, cooking in New York too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I cooked all, I love to cook. No, there was no veggie spots in New York back then. Just really. all you get was broccoli and garlic sauce <laughs> and peanut noodles, sesame noodles. That's what you got from maybe tape. a falafel. Falafel, definitely falafel. Hummus. Lots of falafel and hummus, and um, and broccoli and garlic sauce. Wow. Mm. So then, um, so you live in New York, and then what makes you move to Cali? Um, was it a job? Uh, or was it, it was combo of grief, to be honest. After my mom died, I was mm. quite, uh, you know, it was. Also, New York got very sketchy for a while there. Oh yeah. And there was a murder in the Upper West Side of someone walking their dog, and the. You know, it just was a, it was a, the, the, the amount of people experiencing homelessness was really <clears throat> very bad and, you know, terrible. Nothing seemed to be changing at the time. Yeah. And, it was gnarly back yeah, then. Yeah. And I was quite, you know, grief stricken. And then I did this play, The Heidi Chronicles, yeah. came to LA with the play. I was like, hey, it's kind of nice here. First time being there in California? Mm, can't remember. I think I'd been as a kid and, yeah. you know, um. I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I'd even come out for a pilot season, but, you know, to be yeah. here and really have a job. And so we moved to L.A. Yeah, I feel like California, at least back then, was like the best kept secret. Like I came through here on tour, and then I could never see past the buildings in Manhattan. And me and my wife were living like in a 400-square-foot apartment on 4th and 2nd. We're like, oh, wow. this is great. And then, like, my wife's like, we, we got to go. We're going to move to Cali, start a family, get a house. And I went kicking and screaming. I didn't want to leave New York at all. I love New York. That was where everything started for me, my, my band, just everything. But then when I came here, I was like, oh, my God. I, ne- I never <laughs> want to leave California. Like, I don't know where else I could live, you know? like It's pretty nice. I, I don't like driving because I never really – I'm not a good driver. I'm a, I'm a safe driver. But I do miss – the only thing I miss about New York is walking everywhere. Yeah, and people at least walk more now. Yeah. Because, for yeah, when we first moved to L.A., no no one walked. Nobody walks in L.A. No one like walked. No yeah. one walked. Yeah. In fact, we, when we moved to our neighborhood, literally no one walked. And I was going to like, I, was, I had this stupid idea. I was like, I'm going to make a walking campaign. And I'm going to be like, let's all walk on Sundays and go stop by people's porches. I'm so naive, right? <laughs> <laughs> a small, you can take the small town. I love town, that, Can't take the small town out of the girl. Um, yeah, nobody walks. Nobody walks. But people do walk now a lot more. They do walk more. I think people are more health conscious now. Yeah, no more just, yeah. But I remember, I remember coming to L.A. And, and there was a certain kind of snobbery from New Yorkers of like, don't you hate L.A.? And I'd be like, oh, no, I kind of like L.A. And, and <laughs> people like, but... Everybody's so fake. Yeah, that's what they'd be like. People are superficial and fake. I'm like, you know what? I actually don't care. If they're polite to me, I don't care if it's fake or not. Yeah. It's, like, it's nicer. And it's who you surround yourself with too. Like I hang out with so many East Coast people and just... Well, not- I, yeah, I still love New York, but when I lived in New York, I was going to Central Park to play softball six out of seven days a week. Oh, wow. And I realized I just really wanted to be outside yeah. in nature. And uh, and I had a, we had an apartment that had no green. And I just remember mm. Patrick and I just being like, I just want to live somewhere where outside my window, it's green. And we're looking out your window that here. Avocado tree right here. Yeah, like yeah. that's what I wanted. Yeah. And I just had to see nature every day. You know, you know what else is hard in New York, and we do this for the animals, is when you stop wearing leather and you wear canvas shoes through blizzards. <laughs> it is so brutal. I hope the cows and pigs and chickens who are listening appreciate me. But all the sacrificing you do <clears throat> to wear those canvas shoes <laughs> in the winter and the slush—they have better versions now. Back then, it was just like it was like canvas shoes dying out or here. thrift store or thrift store. Yeah, hand me down leather. Yeah, I had a couple of uh, shoe suppliers 
who mm. I felt like I could wear their leather shoes because they were hand-me-downs. But yeah, I get it. Um, um, so now you're in L.A. Yes. What year would that be? 91. It's a so great year. lived in New York 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. 91. 91. And, and so this you do so many cool things, shows that I love. Um, I'm just going to run through them real quick. L.A. Law, Murphy Brown. Kirby Enthusiasm, you're on, I don't know what part you're doing, but you're on Six Feet Under, which was one of my favorite shows. Oh, that was one of my best, that was one of my best jobs. Incredible I'm show. I'm the opening death of season five. Okay, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> that was, that's an incredible show. So it was one of our favorite shows. Okay. Patrick and I love that show. Yeah. I feel like that's a show that might not get made now, and it's so good. I think it should be mentioned up there with Breaking Bad and I, Sopranos. I agree, one of the greatest shows ever. I was so excited to be on that show. That's, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. It was fun. I mean, you know, once again, working class actor. You know, yeah. you, you come in, you come out. You don't, you know, um, you're lucky to be there. Walker, Walker, Texas Ranger, oh, Picket yeah. Fences, <laughs> um, Friends, <laughs> The West Wing, Days of Our Lives. Those are all incredible shows. Days of Our Lives? I don't know. It came up for you. I don't know. I think I just did some voices on that. Whatever. One. Yeah. You're on there. <laughs> but say, that's like, that's a great resume too. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds a like a lot when you say yeah, it, it this way. Like, when yeah. you plug it over like, you know, the, the 25, 30 years, it's not that much. <laughs> sure. I could have worked. I would have liked to work a lot more than that. But, um, yeah. you know, at least I, you know, I, I, I. You grinded. Like you were like. Well, you know, again, it's hard. like working class. Yeah. You know, you work, you save your money. Yeah. You know, you work, you save your money. Um, you take a job at a bakery. <laughs> to, yeah. You know. Um, what was your What was your goals at that point coming to LA? Ooh, coming to LA, you know, just to do movies. I, you know, yeah. everybody. You know, this is interesting. You know, this is how old I am. There, there used to be a, you know, a line between actors who did movies and actors who did television. Tele- yeah, true. And you didn't cross those lines. You mm. know, like. To, so like if you want to be a movie actor, it's like you could be a theater actor and do either. But, yeah. you know, movies, movie actors did not do television. <laughs> wow. So funny to think of that. And that, uh, there was a whole bit in that in the Heidi Chronicles about like when Meryl does a television show, everyone mm. will do television shows. But that completely changed, obviously. Yeah, um, it's crazy. But like rappers doing like Ice Cube become an incredible actor. Will Smith, like crossing those lines as well yeah. later on, you know? Well, that is a big deal too. Yeah, Phineas, I remember when Phineas was a teenager and he was, you know, he, music was his whole life and then he did a little bit of acting and we met with some people. He had a nice agent, but we met with some other people who were like, you know, you have to choose. And he was mm. like, well, I choose music. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. if you have to choose, there's no choice. I'm, yeah. I'm a musician, that's what I am. But I think there were still people in the... I mean, I think it's still there a little bit. It's still a little bit like, you know, which one do you take seriously? You know, yeah. you can do the other, but which one are you? So uh, it is, but but with actors, I think it's completely gone. Yeah. I, uh, I think I, I'll bring Ice Cube up again. He balances both. Like he still makes music and he's still in movies. He's like the one I can think about that does both. Yeah, he does both. Well, he's very established. Yeah. I think if you're super established yeah. as a musician, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's easier. People are a little more. It is funny though. I do find that the music industry and the uh, the acting industry they they're they're very focused on their own world. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> just one kind of thing. Even well, just yeah. like you know, like you could. Uh, I you're never. Fu- you're fully in the music industry now. It's crazy. Oh yeah. Well, uh, that's From my that life. World to yeah. That world. Yeah. But I mean, with with my kids too. Like sometimes we'll meet people in the in the acting world and they won't have a very deep understanding 
or knowledge about the musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm like, wow, they really, I won't name any names. Yeah, we like have a meeting with like someone super powerful and big in the, in the, in the, um, acting yeah. production world and their knowledge of musicians is very small. Interesting. Yeah, because they're laser focused. You know, they're shooting in whatever, New Zealand yeah. for years and they don't know, Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I'll meet people and they're like, wow, they really don't know anything about popular. It's so weird because it seems so hand-to-hand with soundtracks, just everything. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes yeah. it's very isolated. And obviously, not everybody knows, I mean, everything about that, you know. Yeah. Other world either. And then you also, you, you did some teaching, like, was yeah. Melissa McCarthy one of your students at the improv class she or something? She was, yeah. yeah. I taught, I was a groundling. I, I, yeah. When I came to LA, I took classes at the groundlings, and, you know, I'd been such a, you know, doing theater and everything, and I, and I, I saw my friend in a show at the groundlings. She 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 was doing classes That's there. That's improv class, right? It's improv and sketch comedy. Okay. It's like Saturday Night Live. Okay. And remember, my first love was Lily Tomlin yeah, yeah, yeah. and Laugh-In. Yeah. Right? So... This had always been Full kind circle. of what yeah, I wanted yeah, yeah. to do. And in the theater, I often was playing like really funny parts. Yeah. Um, and also really dramatic parts, but often funny parts. So, What do you prefer to do? Comedy or a drama? Uh, comedy. Matter. Okay. I mean, I think mostly people would think of me as a dramatic actor, but you know. Yeah. Depends on the part. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, so I took class at the Growlings and ended up getting into the company and, you know, um, really change of focus you know and there you go again i remember hearing that serious casting people in new york <coughs> heard that i was uh in the groundlings and they were like oh mm. maggie baird is doing sketch comedy you know i was like very weird wow yeah so weird that's completely gone but it's like you can't do other things you can't try no there used out. to be like a snobbery like among a, yeah, things yeah then. yeah very used to, uh, yeah very divided Stay in your lane just one stayed in your lane yeah, yeah. Um, so I broke my lane and I got into Groundlings and totally changed, you know, my focus and so much fun. And then I started teaching at the Groundlings, which I loved. I love teaching. Actually that, that really got me into teaching. And then I found like my father was a teacher. Yeah. My brother has taught a lot. Um, you know, my other brother's attorney, you know, kind of, I was like, Oh, I actually really love teaching. It's so rewarding and fun. Um, and awesome. you become better at what you do when you teach too. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, Melissa was in my class. Now, Melissa was, first of all, that whole class was great. Like she was in one class where everyone in the class was amazing yeah. and funny. And she was brilliant. You know, like yeah. it wasn't like, I can't say I taught her anything. She, she was funny from the day she got mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, she's so funny. That's amazing. I'm listening to your voice now. Like you, you have a really calming voice, and I saw you do like like your voiceovers for like video games and stuff too. Yes. At some point, no, I, I I play. You a have such a calming for, voice. Well, thank you. Right now, I feel very I super allergic at this time of year. But um, yeah, voiceovers is. I did a, a game called Mass Effect Two and Mass Effect Three. I play a character named Samara. Nice. Um, in a weird world, that's where I'm the most famous. Wow. I'm not famous at all, by the way, but in one weird world. Really? Video <laughs> games? <laughs> Just in that one weird world. Um, was it a badass character? Like, what was your yeah, character? Yeah, I was 4,000 4, years old or 400,000 years mm. old. I talk like this. <laughs> Samara, yeah. And I'm very beautiful. Like, you know, it's a, it's a yeah. person. It's not me, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, cool. Very cool character. So... Um, yeah, there's a funny story. 
this is jumping ahead, but all, I, all I, I did make a movie at one point. I wrote a movie with a friend and we made the movie. Yep. And it was like, we made this movie on a shoestring. And so we had a lot of people volunteering to help us. And there was- Life a, Inside Out? Life Inside Out. I do my research. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and there was a girl working on the movie who her mom had kind of volunteered her, Cassandra. She was so awesome. But she was kind of bored with us, to be honest. Like, okay. you know, who are these people <laughs> making this movie? I don't know anything about them. She had just graduated high school. And, you know, she was she was doing a fine job, but I, I could tell she wasn't unimpressed, right? Yeah. And then Billy, who was like nine at the time, comes, Mom, Mom, come in here. You got to talk to Cassandra. Why? She doesn't believe that you're Samara in Mass Effect. <laughs> and so this girl who is lovely but was unimpressed with us, I walk in and she's like, are you Samara? And I was like, yeah. And I did like this one line, everything. one line from the video game. I was like, find peace in the embrace of the goddess or some <laughs> line, you know? And... And she started crying. <laughs> what? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird world. Yeah. What kind of video game was it? Like Mass medieval? Effect Two? Uh, I no, know. it's super. It's spacey. I never know, played video super. games. Oh yeah, me neither. But it's it's cool. It's like space, and you know, um, I was a justicar. I don't know. It's a whole world. Yeah, and then becoming a parent does that change everything too? Your whole career and <sighs> yeah, and obviously becoming a parent you change your whole outlook on life and the world itself. But we become parents, and then. Yeah. Becoming a parent is, you know, I always wanted to have kids. My always, always, always wanted yeah. to have kids. And uh, and then when my mother died, you know, I, I was talking to Tig Notaro about this, you know, it, it adds an urgency, you know? Yeah. You just really need to have that connection, you know? Yeah. I did anyway. And um, so, yeah, having kids just became, you know, we were older by the time we had kids. We, um, you know, we'd it took Patrick a while to come on board. Yeah. And, uh, how long know. had you guys been together before that? Ooh, gosh, 11 years, like 15, 14, 15 years, something yeah. like that. We lived together 11 years and we were married for, I'm like, I'm not good with these good. numbers. We were married a couple of years. So, you know, 12, 13 it. years. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it took him a while to come on board, and then I was like, "I'm doing it with you without you." So <laughs> <laughs> you're either here or you're gone, yeah. whatever. But I'm having children. It's and the best thing in the world, man. It's the best thing in the world. It is the best, and no, no. If you don't have children, your life is perfect and awesome. To- totally. But for everybody who does have children, like it, you know, it's. I, I recently heard that like people who have children are generally less happy. <laughs> Really? But I also think, you know, there's a book called All, All Joy and No Fun or something like okay. it's a joy. It's a deep, profound joy. Yeah. And it's hard and it's exhausting and it's stressful and it's hard. It's, but it's, it's so brutal. Amazing. But it's it's a deep it's a deep experience. The different chapters of their ages too and all that and like Oh yeah, that well, it's also sad. It's like it's ever sad, you know, because the child you loved at two is no longer here. And now you love the child who's here at three or four or eight or, you know, 19 in my case, 23. But you also miss all those I other know. children. I'm so yeah. scared of that. I have this whole fear of like the leaving the nest syndrome. Like he's 18. I'm like, you can stay here as long as you want. <laughs> like there's no rush. Like you can live in the garage. Like it was so close. You know what I mean? And and we, during the pandemic, Max is like, you guys should have another kid. And my wife's like, <laughs> hell no, i'm always 52 <laughs> she's like i'm sorry we gave it op- we gave it the opportunity we talked about you a million times you know if we could have had a um a girl it would have did it like boy and girl but you know then i got i got the snip so there's no turning back after that <laughs> it's very personal suddenly I, whatever people people know and so it's like you know but it's the most amazing thing i could travel with my son take him everywhere and just like just having that and it's just magical but people listening to you can never be uh mentally 
or financially prepared to have a kid. If you want to have a kid and you're in love and you want to make a, make a kid with your wife or your partner, you just got to do it and you deal with it. It's like you can't stress upon us being prepared. I have to have this much money saved. <laughs> oh, God, Just no. do it. Just you know, as somebody said to me once, it turned out to be not be true at all, by the way, but it, but it was inspiring. She was like, you know, babies come with a loaf of bread under their arm. You know, like you'll find a way. And yeah. I was like, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> we didn't get any more, you know, income. No. But we fa- you. you find a way. You, you find, find a way. way. You yeah. make it work. You make it work. And in our case, like we, you know, we our kids were, our kids came out kind of, I don't know, intense. Like high high need is the term. Mm. We had high need babies, you know. <laughs> and I don't know. It made me feel very. I, I didn't. I didn't really. Um, it made me feel very needed, you know, mm. high need yeah. babies really need you. And you feel very, it's very, I mean, also, I do think if you have kids super young, that can be really hard because you, yeah. you know, whatever. So, but we were not young. Yeah. We were very ready for our lives to be about someone else. People said, you totally. know, your lives are going to be so different. I was like, that's kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sick of talking about myself and yeah. thinking about myself. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really, I mean, it, like it didn't. Like, we we're like it was. Your life's gonna be changed. We're never gonna see you again. No. Like the kids kind of adapt to your life too, as well. And especially if you're traveling and doing stuff. And like, I don't know. I know what's crazy too is that like they're always gonna be our kids. Like even when Max goes on his way, I don't want to think about. It. I get so emotional. I know. I don't cry. I, I'm just not ready for it. It's like <laughs> I want that bond forever. And I know we're gonna have that bond. Like we've always been a very open, communicative. He tells us everything. There's no secrets. There's trust. Like that is so important, man. Yeah. Like moving forward, like to be able to talk about everything. Because if your kids can't trust you to tell you something, you know, they're gonna tell somebody else. So I don't know. You have to be a role model too. It's like Super that's our true. jobs, man. That's our number one job is to be role models. And I don't know. I just we don't own we don't own our kids. It's like when they're with us, we we raise them the best we can, then they go, and it's just I don't know. It's is it painful? I remember so even painful. I remember reading Facebook posts for years of people's kids going off to college. I would sob. I'd be no. like, it wasn't even my kid. I'd be no. like, oh my god, they're gonna go away. They're moving out of the house. But but you know, on a positive note, I was thinking too the other day. Then it's like then it goes back to like me and my wife before we had kids, and then we have this other chapter of our life where it's just us two again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we have that and. Can we stand each other? No, we married. <laughs> we've married twenty five years on Friday, so we had an anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary! And my wife wanted to tell you on air that the one thing that it really annoys her about me is that I can't cook, and that's the only pet peeve she has about me. I'm a perfect husband. Besides that, so you're helping me. Fix uh, you that. cooked egg and hole for Mother's Day. Did good. you not actually make it? Did no, I did. I, I did, but yes, yesterday was a total flop. I know. The people but watch. We do. I know toast. why. I know why. I know well, why. The bread, uh, my wife, I love you, babe, but th- the bread was trash. The Italian bread, <laughs> something about it was just so, from the jump, it was very soft, whatever. Okay, but I think I it was you. a chia seed because okay. I think, and I, I thought this at the time, I didn't say it, I should have, like the glass measuring cup. It's hard to make sure you're measuring a quarter cup in a glass measuring cup. Those are made for liquid. Okay. And so probably you just were shy of the chia seeds. I mm. think you needed the ground chia seed, a, a, a more a real traditional quarter cup measure okay? because I think your liquid, it was just too liquidy. I should have looked at it sooner. It was hard I'm on sorry. the Zoom. We were tired too. It was just a, I should have brought it all over. We could have made, made it down. We'll make it another day because um, mine was bomb just for the record. It, it looks so great. good. So <laughs> what, I, what I love about you and I can relate to as this family as a, as a plant-based family too is just raising your kids with compassion, with them knowing where things come from, with, with things, you know what affects the earth, just all that and just being honest and open and loving and letting them be wherever they want to be. And I admire that about you so much. And I can relate to that with our family too. Like, um, 
Just raise your kids to do what, let them do what they want to do. You know what I mean? Like it's so important. Follow their lead. Yeah. And their lead changes a lot too. I think that's important. Like you have to go like, you know what they're interested in this six months. They may not be interested in that six months and don't like, you know, let that, let them change, let them go. They come back and also follow their lead, but don't overwhelm them. You know, just because you're, kid shows an interest in like i kind of am interested in the guitar listen to this play this yeah like and, and you've <laughs> yeah. got a teacher and you've got a three thousand dollar you know rickenbacker or whatever yeah you know like don't do that just like let them like find their way it doesn't have to be a lot of money it doesn't yeah. have to be a lot of pressure yeah you know and and uh, so true you know because that's another thing people do the, the kids shows one little interest in before you know it <laughs> I know it, it's too much pressure because then they're like, "Well, I was only a little interested because I saw the movie School of Rock." You yeah, know? Exactly, <laughs> and then you put, then you throw it out, and they're like, "Yeah, that's the thing." Like me and my wife, my sons grew up on like listening to punk rock and hip hop and all types of music, uh, The Cure, like all kinds of stuff in this house. But then he found his own. He found like Fit for an Autopsy oh, and wow. Slayer and like this death metal <laughs> stuff that I never really listened to and now he's opened my mind to it but he found his own thing. It wasn't like when he was raised on people like, your son doesn't like the Ramones. Yeah, he likes the Ramones. They're okay for him but it's like, oh my God, your son doesn't like this band? No, it's just because I like it. You know, like yeah. he grew up around it Yeah, and like, and then sometimes they do, like Patrick used to make these mixtapes for the mm-hmm. car, you know, and had everything on it. It had probably like 80% Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it had everything on it, but you know, yeah. the Beatles were the Beatles, so there's yeah. lots of Beatles, and my kids do love the Beatles, and I think the Beatles were probably the biggest influence on wow. their songwriting. Yeah. Um, and everybody's songwriting, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but... There was a lot of other stuff on there. And then, yeah, they found their own music, too. Billy got really obsessed with hip-hop for, you know, that was really her main yeah. interest for a long time. Old hip-hop or the newer stuff? My son likes both. I try to school him on that, where it comes from, too, you know? The older. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's good. I like when kids know the roots, at least the history of, like, where yeah. the stuff comes from. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you make music, too. You released your own record. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, the We Sail album. The We Sail. Okay. I, I listened to it. It sounded good. I liked it. Oh, thank you. I checked you. it out. Oh, that's nice. I can't voice, believe yeah. you even found it. Um, I do my research. Well, okay. Here's the story. <laughs> I, I have another one besides that. So, so I was a teenage songwriter, but wow. I was an actor. Remember, you didn't do both. In those, you did though. I but love I, that. But it was all very secret. Yeah. So I wrote all these songs when I was a teenager. I played guitar. I wrote music. Then I became an actor. And my father was always like, "Why don't you do something with your songwriting?" That's cool. And I was like, "Dad, I'm not. No, I'm not gonna. You know, I'm already rejected all the time as an actor. I don't need to have one more thing." And but I continued to be a closeted songwriter. And then I wrote a song for my wedding with Patrick. It's awesome. And I sang a song at our wedding. That's it. That makes me emotional thinking about it. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, <laughs> my father was still alive at that time. Okay. My mother, sadly, was um, many years gone. Yeah. But my father was alive at that time. And he was like, why your song could, you know, your song is answer. You're, you know, my dad had this high tenor voice. My parents were great singers, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was like, dad, I, I can't, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't. First of all, I don't know how to do it. And I think yeah. that's what's really interesting. That's another story which I could elaborate on. But um, I, I didn't honestly know how you did it. Like, yeah. And I will say, like, when Billy and Phineas, when 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 things started happening for Billy, you know, Phineas had been had this band for a long time yeah. and stuff. But when stuff happened for Billy, it oh, that's an apple that I brought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was like a door opened 
and we were suddenly on the other side of the door. Yeah. And it was like before that, I didn't even know there was a door. Gotcha. You know, like suddenly I was like, oh, this is how the music industry works. Oh, yeah. and it was a big, steep learning curve. But honestly, before that, I had zero idea. Like okay. how, because you got to, you know, you know, it was a different era. You yeah. can just put your song on something. Internet, people can hear, yeah, you know, whatever, you wrote yeah. a song like, well, how do you record it? How do you find a producer? Yeah. How, I didn't know any of that, you know? Yeah. And so, so different now. yeah. So when my, my father got this terminal illness, pulmonary fibrosis, I decided to make an album of songs to kind of keep my dad going. Right. Probably very therapeutic as well, as well, right? Yeah, it was therapeutic for therapeutic, me. It was yeah. therapeutic for, you know, I, my idea was that, you know, he knew, he knew out. he had a terminal illness and he, yeah. my dad was kind of a fatalist a little bit like, you know, we all die. And so yeah. I was like trying to keep him interested. Yeah. Um, so I went to the people I knew the best, which were the band at the Groundlings. Okay. And they helped me produce an album of songs. So when my dad was dying, I had an album called My Father's Daughter. <laughs> wow <laughs> and that was a whole separate set of and that's gonna make me cry yeah um which you know <laughs> it's, all, it's all good i cry in here too all the time <laughs> i'm kind of a crier <laughs> me too i'm so freaking emotional i was crying the other day crying it's all good yeah and we played it while my dad was dying like this wow that's beautiful yeah. yeah that's beautiful man so anyway that was that and, and then, for him to hear that before that's incredible yeah. you got to do that yeah i got to do that that's so that's so nobody positive. really has ever heard those songs because those never got put on any platform but then years later now I they're out of, yeah the, not those songs. Not, okay, I don't okay. think anybody's ever heard those. Well, you really, would you release them ever? Well, no. I mean, look, the you know, I I'm not as good a singer as my children. I'm not, you know, you know, it was just songs I wrote. You know, I I'm I like them. Recently, I found them. I was like, oh, these are good. Yeah. I was playing them, and then then I made this. Then I made another album because at that point I was like, maybe I would like to try to be a songwriter. How do you do yeah. it? Because I thought, well, maybe I could write songs for commercials or songs for musicals. Because I literally had no... And but you're I, using your voice on video games, do you? Have a good well, voice, I was you know doing that. Well, and I was in the Groundlings. I was writing musicals all the time. Because, yeah. you know, in the Groundlings, in sketch comedy, you write a lot of musical numbers. You yeah. know? So I was writing parodies of the Salt Lake Olympics, you know, <laughs> parodies of Martha Stewart. And yeah. so I was writing a lot of musical parody. Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe I'll take this a little further and see where it would go. And so then I made an album and then I, you know, by then you could kind of sell a CD. Yeah. So I sort of tried to do that. Um, but you, would you be feel weird about releasing them? Are you embarrassed of them? Do you like to release sound? Well, I mean, they're of it's an era. They're dated, but I mean, they're dated and they're of an era and the production is, you know, actually some of the production, I'm my friend Larry Treadwell is a producer. I thought he did an amazing job yeah. on like the song We Sail. I think people would be stoked to hear it, to be honest. Well, maybe. But then I made the movie, which was kind of, you know. Yeah. So, so I, you know, what I did was I started this group of people moms and and some dads and we would go to open mic nights wow because <laughs> we had kids you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and i had this i had this bunch of songs and somebody was like well if you want to be a songwriter you have to get out there in the world right yeah. you got to go perform even if you don't really want to perform if that's not the thing you want to do because i really just wanted to be a songwriter at that yeah. point and um you know, you got to go out. And so I was like, okay, but I'm I'm never going to do it because I have kids and I'm always going to cancel because my kids are sick or my kids yeah, don't want me to go. That was your number priority. You put everything to the Everything side, was my of. kids. You know, yeah. everything was just kids, kids. And so I was like, okay. I formed a group of other moms, homeschooling moms and stuff who sang <laughs> or played guitar yeah. or did something and a couple of parents. And was like, there a name of it, the group? 
It was it was like a temporary name, the Performers Collective. Okay, cool. <laughs> we always thought we'd find a good name, and it was like, okay, we book a bunch of slots on an open mic night. Yeah, and we'd all go together and we'd practice together. So like, I would play guitar for one mo- one woman, and she would sing harmony for me. And so we had to both show up, okay. right? Because we were committed. Yeah, so that was a whole idea, kind of you know teamwork. Yeah, and then we would go do these open mic nights, and like you know sing our songs and some people were doing covers i was doing my own songs and we take the kids you know the yeah. kids would come and you know um, awesome yeah it was it was a fun family <laughs> adventure you know <laughs> you can still be creative too and do the stuff you love you yeah, yeah it was super fun and then that kind of inspired the movie yeah and phineas you know so that's so, but, but you're still working as the kids are growing up you're still doing stuff i was always teaching mm-hmm. um and you teaching. did bones too that was a big show I did Bones, yeah, yeah. I did Bones. And I taught, um, I then I taught music. I taught okay. music together for six years, which is like a family music program. Okay. I stopped teaching improv, I started teaching music. Nice. And I also got into aerial circus. I started taking classes with my kids, I got obsessed with that. Is that like flying around like Pink does? It's like what Pink does, yeah. Wow. Um, but more like, a, you know, not so much flying, it's just doing it static. Mm, um, and I got, awesome. I took a class at Focus Fish with my kids and they liked it, I loved it. <laughs> So I just kept doing that until I was like organizing classes for them and assisting teaching. And then I was teaching classes. So teaching became like, I'm teaching Ariel, I'm teaching improv, I'm I'm teaching songwriting at the kids homeschool group. I'm teaching drama. I'm teaching cake cake baking. Yeah. You did every aspect of the music biz and I don't know it's everything behind. if I could do it I taught it it was like I taught ukulele once to like 200 people in a park I bought them all like $10 ukuleles and I taught them the basics of the ukulele that's amazing (laughs) yeah so you're always trying to learn more it seems I love to learn new things I love it's really the thing I like best is kind of learning something new I'm a little tired of it right now I've had to learn so much this year (laughs) yeah but yeah like manager Basically, are you I'm not their manager. Okay. They have amazing managers, okay. but I'm definitely on their team, right? Yeah, on Billy's yeah, team. Yeah. So they have amazing management team, but you know how it is. In the beginning, when we went on tour, it was Billy, Phineas, and me going to Australia. Yeah. You know, the managers didn't, you know, can't afford to fly a no. bunch of people to Australia. Totally. Um, and then we had a tour manager. You know, but it, and yeah. then it was me, Billy, Phineas, and the tour manager. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in the front of the house. You've been doing most of the tours in the beginning. I've I've gone on every tour. It's amazing. Every I've never missed a day of tour except um, one show they had to go do, and I had to do something else once. Yeah. Because um, what do they call momager? What do they call? Yeah, I'm not a momager. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're a supporter and you're there. I think it's so important. I'm not There's a momager, so but I am super involved yeah. because you know there's just so much to do that there's no way you can do it all. You know, listen, your managers. And, and I cannot say enough good things yeah. about the team. But ultimately, no one has your back like your parent, you know? 100% agree. They all have, they have conflicts of interest. They just do. Yes. You know, for the best case scenario, they're going to make a commission on something. Yep. They might have other people they're trying to please. Yeah. They're trying to make things happen. And, you know... No shade. You have to have that. Totally. But who is the person who's really like best interest for you? And and to be honest, sometimes that best interest is I also have to help. I've had to help Billy understand why something might be important to do that she maybe doesn't want to do. Yeah. Like, and where, you know, um, the managers 
might have given up on that because they're like, they don't want to force her to do it. No one's forcing her to do it. But I go like, let's look at the context of your whole life. Love it. Is this important, you know, for your whole life? You know, is something that you're going to do here going to benefit you here? Yeah. Even if you don't feel like it today? You know, so the person who can give context and also go like, she's not getting enough sleep. Don't book any interviews after, before noon ever, you know? Yeah. Um, She can't, she can't burn these bridges or not bridges you know burn your the candle. mom it's like you have the best her best interest yeah always. yeah just and you also see them and you know when like she's suffering in a way they can't possibly know you know yeah. they don't see her they don't see the effects you know sometimes i'd look at the schedule and it'd be like we'd look at a tour schedule and be like it's gonna tour these shows and you know in the in the beginning it's brutal it is brutal totally. because you have to do that to get you know but it'd be like you know, show, 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 you know, all day photo shoot, interview. You know, and I would go like, you see this schedule? You see this day here? She's going to be sick on that day. You know, I can tell because run she's, down. she's run not going to get enough sleep. She's going to get it. She's, she's going to get sick. And so, you know, we all learn together and, and you gradually get a sense of like, you know, first of all, you get a little more power and control, yeah. you know, um, but you know, people learn, people learn like you, you know, you, and, and my kind of goal is, and it, and it happens that everybody on the team is now looking out for the same things, you yeah. know? And the same with the greening and the plant-based food. Like, yeah. honestly, it used to be like, we want, we need vegan food. We need, you know, and then it was like, we want vegan food for everybody on Backstage our tour. Backstage you know? and catering and yeah, everything. everything. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it was a little bit of a struggle. And now we have meetings with our tour team and they are, they are on top of it they're like so cool. maggie we've made sure that this is happening and this is <laughs> happening and they ask all the right questions and are you comfortable doing this because of this and we've gotten them to change this and so you awesome. know the whole team is so great about but it. just by asking like you did originally when you sent that letter about seeing that movie just say hey we want to do this you can't you don't ask you never know you know what i'm saying like yeah. now everybody's eating the plant-based stuff they probably have no problem no and and all our shoots are this way and all yeah. of our all you know everything you know even a shoot for a magazine we go like hey it's billy set plant-based you know and, yeah. uh, and we want we want conscious clean up there to make sure that we've got composting and yeah. you know everything has to be sustainable and 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 you have to kind of follow through too like recently we're on a shoot and it was like hi do you have our do you have our new rider and they're like yeah. i think so i'm like because I don't see a compost bin and a and a recycling and a thing in our green in our green room, right? Yeah. And you know they're they get it, you know, like yeah. and now hopefully they'll get it for everybody. So, yeah. um. And you homeschool both them, huh? We we did we homeschool. So you were the slash, teacher, basically. Well, you know, Sometimes. we call it unschooling. Unschooling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unschooling, world schooling. So okay. You know, like just like you're the teacher, right? Yeah. It's like your kid asks about something and you show them, you explain yeah. it. You, you know, something comes up about the moon and suddenly you've, you know, you're learning all about the moon. You know, it's just yeah. life. It's like totally. approaching it like life. So if you go, wow, I just found out my children don't know anything about geography, right? Mm -hmm. Because they didn't know we said something and they didn't know like, okay, who oh, shoot? <laughs> yeah, we better, yeah, yeah. we better figure that out. Like, yeah. let's start to find a way to learn about that. And, you know, so either it's their interest led or you're like, this is something you kind of need to know at this mm -hmm. age, or this is really important in society to know that let's yeah. find a way to learn that. Let's find a way to make it fun and interesting. And so they never went to a physical school. No, they wow, never went to awesome. physical school. They did go to a couple places that were like homeschool resource centers or yeah, co-ops, yeah. you know, like yeah. all the kids get together in a day and there's all kinds of classes to choose from. And, you know, you know, some kids are 
some kids are choosing to te- take chemistry and yeah. you know uh, biology and 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 my kids are going like I've got sewing and drama and <laughs> cooking and you know yeah. um and and geography they did take the geography because it was really fun yeah um but you know interest led you know because the thing about kids is that the kid who's going to grow up to be an astronaut mm-hmm. or a doctor or a physicist that kid is interested in the things that are going to get them there. 100%. That kid's going to show you that that's what they are into. Yeah. And they're not going to balk at taking higher math mm-hmm. or because that's going to be interesting to them. Yeah, totally. The kid who's never going to use that in their entire life is going to show you, I don't care about that. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good chance you're not going to go into a career that needs that. Yeah. If you can't stand <laughs> it. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. it's kind of weird. It's like, it's kind of in, it's kind of um, a way of looking at things that is a bit anathema to our society, mm-hmm. which is like, you need to spend the most time on the things that are hard. It's like, do you though? Yeah. Because the thing that's easy for you, like what was easy for you growing up? Mm, skateboarding. Skateboarding, okay. <laughs> and and music probably in a yeah, way, Yeah, right? later on, yeah, for And sure, easy yeah. in a different way. Not that it's easy to learn, but no. it's easy because you enjoy it. Because I love it. Right? And if you, the thing you're going to spend all those hours doing, probably going to find your career in that. Yeah. You know, and it may not be being, you know, a rock star. Yeah. It might be an engineer or being, um, you know, on a tour, a tour manager. Yeah, something in that. You know? Yeah. Um, That's amazing. And then what about, what about plant-based? Is that something that, you guys wanted to do from the beginning when they're born, we're going to raise them like this. Well, we were, you know, Patrick came on board being a vegetarian after a few years being with me. And, and also mainly it wasn't even me. It was that he was doing a play in Louisville and he was staying near a slaughterhouse. Wow. And that did it. That's a reality. That did it more than me. Um, he came home after that and did it. Yeah. Had to ride his bike by the slaughterhouse every day. Smell it. Oh my God. That did it. Um, but yeah, so there was no, I know a lot of people where one person's a vegan or vegetarian, the other isn't, and they raise them not. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I don't get that because it's so part of our philosophy, you know? hundred percent. And so, yeah, it was no question that we would raise them that way. Some people would say like, well, why don't they have a right to choose? And I'm like, yeah, when they're 18, they can choose whatever they want, but I'm responsible for their physical and moral well-being and mental everything yeah. and mental and when i look at my life if i could go back in time and yeah. uneat meat yeah i would yeah. and so if they never eat it while they're with us then they don't have to have that regret and they can choose what they choose after that 100 agree but uh, for the responsibility of me that's not going to be part of what you do 100 you know? like max is 18 now he can do what he wants he could do he wants even whatever, but like he's like I'm never doing. It. He never had it. He won't even eat impossible meat. He thinks it looks like meat. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? He's so, like me. <laughs> yeah. So it's like going out into the world and stuff. He knows everything. He's been to. We do the pig vigils. He's been to slaughterhouses. That he's is been intense. To, he's been to all that. It's, it's so emotional. You've been to one of those that uh, farmer I, jobs. I have not been. I, it's horrifying. I'm honestly like I just don't think I can do it. I know I just can't. And I it can't. doesn't make you more vegan. It makes you more angry and sad. Like, yeah. My thing is I bring people who aren't, I have a lot of friends who aren't vegan, I bring them down and they, they go and they're like, holy crap. Well, so yeah. that, that makes, that's that's more of an, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. Like you give them water and apples and it's just this moment. Oh, and I it's, can't even like go but there my, right but now. My, but my son, he's like, yo, fuck giving them water and apples. I'm going to jump over the fence and I'm going to steal a fucking pig or a cow. Like my son's like super, gets hardcore. I'm like, you can't do that. You know, like he wants to go like rescue because yeah. you can't do that. But yeah, it's this moment 
So I'll get cry, I'll cry talking about it. It's a moment where they, they, they have interaction with a human that's like this, it's loving. They get water and apples, but then they go and they're gone. But they at least have one moment where they know all humans aren't pieces of shit. And they have this wow, moment. Wow, that's so beautiful and yeah, so sad. Yeah, it's, makes me, yeah, it's <laughs> heavy. I was so, the first time I went, I was so numb for like a week. I was fucking so numb. I was calling everybody about, you have to come do this thing. And like, I'm happy I did it. Do I have to do it again? I'm not sure. I'll bring more friends, but we started getting the water bottles. We got really into it. Yeah, it's like... Uh, but the thing we can do, and this is what we're trying to do, yeah, is we can get people to understand mm-hmm. without doing that. Like, yes, yes. You know, like we can get people to stop eating it yes. and stop the demand for it and understand like you don't need to eat it. Yeah. You, you, I don't care what your reason is you're eating it. Like, well, I do care. If you in a culture where it's a different culture, okay, yeah. we'll have a different conversation. Yeah. But for most people, you know... Th- there's no good reason you can give me. And if it's taste, okay, there's plenty of substitutes. It's there's impossible, yeah. plenty of things you can taste, you know. But to kill that beautiful animal and cause that tremendous suffering. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so Especially we Especially even now, in this day and age. No, it's so unnecessary. There's so, many, so many other options. There's so many... I think it's just convenience. The one thing is the main thing is convenience. People are so used to this. It's convenience and it's the the total desensitizing. It's the total, you know, I mean, you know, you see it all the time. People, you know, we had a little kid who was our neighbor. We loved her. She was over, they moved, but um, she was over one time and we were talking about vegetarian or chicken or something. And she said like, are you, do you mean chicken is chicken? Like she had no idea. Like the chickens in the farm. Right, books the chicken, and all that. chicken yeah. in the farm book, and the chicken she ate. She did yeah. not equate them with the, each other. And Crazy. you know that's what we do to people. We hardcore. You know we um we anthropomorphize animals, wanting us to eat them. You yeah. know the ads where the chickens are trying to be. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the you know they they anthropomorphize them to want to be killed and eaten or drink my milk that but i love your approach with support and feed and everything we talk about that but your support is like you're not preachy you're not shoving shit down people's throats yours is leading by example this is where i live my whole life this is where i raise my children and i think that's an incredible approach because i think more people open-minded check things out if they're not force-fed down their throat you know what i'm saying yeah well i mean i think in general it is it is a definite balance i think if you're too hardcore about stuff you're going to just turn people off. But it's hard when you're so compassionate when you're trying to show things. It's not coming from like, dude, it's coming from like, yo, this is really happening. Like, really check this out, you know? like. Well, also, I think there's, you know, to, to be fair, there are people in the movement, there are strategies that are so extreme that they do alienate people and they do, they are, they're not conducive to people making change and yeah. they're not appreciative of people making change. You know, that whole culture we have now, and it's not just in the plant-based world. It's in everything. Yeah. You know, you, you speak out about this. Oh, but you didn't speak out about this. You spoke you about, about that. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't do enough. You forgot the hashtag. All that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you did this, but it wasn't good enough. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. Like so we, true. we bust people for what they don't do rather than for what they do do positively. 100%. And it's definitely true in the plant-based world. It's like, you know, great that you did this, but you didn't do this. It's like, okay, let's focus on what we did do. And then let's give that positive, positive reinforcement. Like, wow, the change you made made this big an impact. Yes. And wow, if you do that again, you'll make it. Even the Meatless Mondays. Yeah, Meatless Mondays, great. All that shit. We have a very close friend, a close friend of Billy's, who's, who's, 
gonna do, who's doing Meatless Mondays for the first time, and in her life is a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal, and she's like, I know, inch my way Baby there. Baby steps, man. I'll go to Meatless Mondays, then I'll go to Eight Meals. Hashtag Eight Meals. You know, I'll work my way up. Yeah. You know, and we have I to support anybody it. trying to change, man. Even it's for your health, for the animals, for the plant, whatever you're doing it for, you're saving lives of animals, and that's the number one mission. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how or why you're doing it. Yeah, well, like, the number one mission, you know, is it's what it's all of those, right? I mean, yeah. currently, you know, my focus currently, our focus with support and feed is, well, it's food justice. It is also the climate change, the climate crisis. Yeah. Listen, the tragedy of, of animal exploitation is horrific. We are also facing the destruction of the planet 100%. now. And it's imminent. It's not, it's not far in the future. It's imminent. Yeah. And we have to act fast and, and diligently, you know? Yeah. So I, th- I think at least a lot of people are getting that message, you yeah. know? You can't, <laughs> and, and, the, and the food justice, you can't be espousing, you know, all these things and then not look at your diet, you know? 100%. You can't be, uh, uh, you know, driving your electric car and your eating all these hamburger. things, and in in hamburger, they don't go together. A lot of water it takes to make one hamburger. Yeah, I saw something on a, on an, on a site that I love, an Instagram, a, ch- a thing that I love, and they were touting a, a something, a, a biodegradable grill or something, but it had meat on it. It's like, no, no, <laughs> can't talk about the environment and have yeah. meat on that grill. <laughs> why, why don't you think people put that together? I do not know. It's so ingrained. Like take your short showers and all this stuff. And it's yeah, like, like and and what are you eating? <laughs> it's so great. And we sound like we're judging people. We're not. We're baffled ourselves. It's like this has been going on for so many years, and just putting the two and two together that the, the well, effects people, that it has. Yeah, you know? I mean, thirty-five years ago, I was wearing a shirt that said like "Stop eating McDonald's hamburgers, destroying the Amazon rainforest." We have known this for a long time. Yeah. It's just that we're like you know, we're actually at the crisis now. Yeah, I think social media definitely helps get in the positive way to get that information out, you know? Yeah, and it's so scary. I think the hard part now is it's so scary and it's just really important to feel hopeful. And so to me, the hopefulness is that so many people are doing it and mm-hmm. so many, you see the change and, and it's happening fast, you know? So fast. It's like a, it, it, you know, we have the momentum. We are. Especially coming out of a pandemic too. Oh yeah. More I, people more conscious, I think, of everything. More people, like we were saying yesterday, I think they're more compassionate. Yeah. Um, They're more aware of. And want to be healthy and whatever that, and their immune system. It's just everything. Well, today is the announcement of the music climate revolution mm. um with reverb and all these artists including billy and phineas you know signing on to make their tours climate positive that's and, awesome you know it's it's a it's definitely a change you know can you pe- break that down a little bit the reverb stuff i spoke to that guy he's amazing by Is the he way amazing Adam. yeah yeah it's a it, it it's getting artists to sign up to make their tours climate positive which means you know all the things that get you there you know from yeah. making sure you have no plastic water bottles in your venues you know d- single-use plastic water liquid bottles, death so. live nation thank you okay go yeah, ahead. liquid death you know <laughs> have yeah and that you have uh water refilling stations and you that you that, yeah. yeah and we have all vegan catering and we pay our carbon offsets and we have the food in the venue is plant-based food and you know um you're addressing all the issues you have composting you have recycling awesome on your tour buses too you know yeah reverb sets us up and they they follow through and and also supports a, a bunch of uh environmental by POC charities, awesome. the same music climate revolution. So it's pretty, it, it's pretty extensive. That's incredible, yeah. And, you know, it's like we're going to come out of this, you know, touring has always been a very climate, a bad climate move, right? Yeah. Everyone knows it, you know? Yeah. So how can we address it and make it a, a positive thing? I love that. And then talk about support and feed a little bit, which I think is incredible. Yay. Okay. Doing so, so much with that so fast. 
so fast, so <laughs> so like overwhelming. Oh, so many people <laughs> working on it. You know, we started it. A, you know, right at the start of the pandemic, came home from tour, which we were all about. You know, greening the tour and all this stuff, and then we came home. We're like, oh gosh, this is going to be devastating. And it has, by the way. The the COVID has been devastating for the climate, of course. Yeah. Um, and for food insecurity. Um, so we, we were like, wow, Billy and I were talking, we're like, this is going to be so bad for so many people are going to be hungry and, and restaurants are going to go out of business. And, and I was like, what if we like order food from, from Sage and we have it sent to somewhere and we found a place to send it. We sent it to the, to the midnight mission. And I was like, this is a good idea, but it, it really needs to go further. Like we have, there's, yeah. and so we, within a, within a week, we had this amazing team of people, the amazing Jeanette, who's sitting right here. Sup, Jeanette. Uh, <laughs> um, right away, and, and, and Rose, and, and we have Nick, and everyone was on board, Justin, these uh, great people who just signed on, like, I'm gonna help. And within a week, we had meals going out. We were taking donations, arranging for there to be donations, either through the restaurants or through us directly to get, buy plant-based food from restaurants that so was so high cool. quality, and it would support all the community of the restaurant, that's the workers, the farmers, everybody involved, yeah. and take it to communities, community orgs where people are experiencing food insecurity. As we went along, we really, and we also took to frontline workers in the beginning. Yeah. As we went along, we really paired our mission. We were like, wow, you know, the places that need this are the places the communities have food apartheid, lack of access to healthy food. Let's partner with organizations that are already doing amazing work in those areas, see what they need, what yeah. we can provide. And so it really grew. We expanded to New York and Philly and Washington, D.C., um, you know, feeding so many people and then adding because the organizations were asking their families wanted more information That's about cool. plant-based food. And so awesome. providing information about it, about, you know, where appropriate about the climate effects of it, of animal agriculture, but more importantly for this, the, the health benefits for the people receiving it yeah. and making sure it's high quality, delicious food. Like we, <laughs> you know, you know, we <laughs> taste the food. Like, is yeah. it good? We want people to go, this is because that's where we can make the difference. If 100%. People go, this food is amazing. Not only am I getting a meal, but I'm getting a restaurant quality. Someone cares about me. First of 100%. all, they went for the real deal. And, it's delicious, you know, and now we've labeled it. You know, you can see what it is. It's plant-based, no animal so product. Important. It goes into my mind, you know, delicious food. You deserve plant-based food, you know? Yeah. This is the good stuff because... There's so many stereotypes about vegan food, man. Like oh, so many stereotypes. But the truth is everything. so much non-vegan food is horrible. You know, Jeanette and I found ourselves in a situation, you know, <laughs> won't go into it, but, you know, we were exposed to some of the food people were being given mm. that was government subsidized, and it was pretty Terrible. awful. Yeah. It was not healthy. It was, first of all, meat, milk, and dairy, and, you know, stuff that people often are... The four food groups you have to have. Yeah, there's, they're milk often lact <laughs> yeah, lactose intolerant, you know, people eating food, you yeah. know, and uh, so... We wanted our food to be delicious, first of all, yeah. and nourishing. And so that's the mission. It's like feeding people who, who need food and making sure it's healthy, nourishing food and that it comes with a major impact because we're not just about that one meal. We're yeah. about you getting your next meal and, and, and asking the other organizations that might provide food for plant-based food. Yeah. And, you know, we want people to know, ask for the good stuff. You, you deserve the good stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. You deserve the really high quality, delicious, nourishing food. Mm -hmm. You expect that from every time you get food, right? Yeah. Seek it out and, 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 
And we want other organizations to do the same. And you know what? If they all did it and overnight, you know, that would be amazing. And, yeah. uh, and that, so that's so important. Our it's so awesome. Just yeah. like you said, giving the good quality stuff, not just, yeah. It's just and you know, we can feed so many people. We all know that the food chain of, of animal agriculture is disastrous for the planet and it's disastrous for humans. Yeah. We can feed so many more people with the plants that we're currently feeding to animals, you know? Yeah. I mean, slightly different form, obviously, yeah. but, you know, it's just not a good system. It, it, mm -hmm. It's actually, you talk to some organizations that are doing wonderful work, but they're not, they haven't really taken this into their into their system yet. And yeah. again, it's like driving the, it's like, it's like doing a short shower and then eating a hamburger. Yeah. It's like, there's no sense in that. If you're in a sustainability food movement and you're not talking about plant-based food, you're, you're missing something, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I, you think that the word plant-based is way more accepting the people than the word vegan at, sometimes? I, it definitely seems that way. It does. It's, I think maybe it's switching. It's less threatening to people, maybe. It's less threatening, but now it's also getting overused and maybe misused a little bit. Mm. Like people think, oh, it means like it's salad, but it can have cheese on it or something. So yeah. it's a little bit tricky because I think people are more open to it, but then it's going to get co-opted. Mm -hmm. So I personally am trying to like use them both. Yeah. You know, I say plant-based food and then I go vegan food because people go, Oh, vegan food is plant-based food. Uh, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, de demonize the word yeah. vegan. You know, I don't know why it became a joke. I was I even thinking, either. you know what? My, I feel like my job should just be um, coming up with ideas for people to do because I, <laughs> I, I now I'm like, we need to start a movement in the entertainment industry to stop using making fun of vegans and vegetarians as a joke, right? I, it has been the butt of the joke for my whole adult life. I agree. It's like you can't make fun of anybody for all kinds of things. Appropriately, you shouldn't be able to. True. But you can always make fun of the vegan, right? It's so true. <laughs> and listen, you know, I mean, I, I've even seen, you know, people do it. There's a certain stereotype that maybe is easy to make fun of. I get it. You yeah. know, the person who's like hardcore and is very you know how you know, know somebody's vegan they tell you they're vegan they tell you they're vegan in this yeah it's easy to make fun <laughs> of i i get it i yeah. totally do get it but there's also kind of a like the butt of the joke is always the vegan you mm -hmm. know like oh you know you see it so much in media it's like yeah. guys what are you really promoting you know mm -hmm. um it's like, interesting right yeah oh you take it for granted too you know you take for granted how much i mean people drink a lot on tv too yeah. these things are like they're drinking all through their talk shows all morning, yeah. less during COVID. But you know, it's yeah. like there's certain things that they we just like these are are these good for society? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's great support and feed came out of the pandemic. It's such a positive, amazing thing. Man. Came out of the pandemic and we had an amazing year. We fed so many people sixty thousand meals in the wow. in the cal in the calendar year of twenty twenty. But I think more importantly, you know, sixty thousand meals is it was it was the fact the impact of those meals again yeah. that it wasn't just a meal it was it was uh, nourishing a soul it yeah. was exposing someone to a, another possibility yeah um, and that's what we can do more than than some other you know operations can you know we yeah. we'd love to be able to feed millions and millions of meals that would be ideal but if, until we can we can make every meal more impactful. Yeah, you know, give give people tools to 
help their own lives. And that's what we do with our social media. Yeah, Thanks really to Jeanette do. again. We have our, yeah, Jeanette, ma- you know, that you guys, you and, and Max have been yeah, on, you know, it. our social media is amazing because we have all these people, young people who are hungry to learn. Mm-hmm. They want to support the environment. They want to be more compassionate. Yeah. And sometimes you just don't have the tools. And, and so the social media is a great way to, you know, help people learn on their journey. You know, if they make their, they're French toast vegan, you know, yeah, or, try, or try to <laughs> try to. Um, do you have any daily rituals? Those are random mm, questions. Probably my questions. Daily rituals. I do drink matcha every day. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty addicted to matcha lattes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a ritual. Um, I I try to meditate. I don't do it every day. My wife does that. It's hard. I'm yeah, it's hard to do it every day, but I do do it fairly. How about yoga? I don't do yoga, but I, I, I was injured for a while, but yeah. I'm back to Ariel again, finally, after a couple of years. Nice. So that takes some inching up too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a parenting thing that's a bit tricky, right? Because I'm still a very involved parent. Yeah. And your life tends to be hard to ritualize because you never know when they're going to need something, you mm-hmm. know? And that's certainly true for little kids, but even teenage teenagers are You're on call twenty four seven. I always want to say to people like, <laughs> you know, teenagers are harder than toddlers or as mm. hard. I don't know. It looks like maybe you got away pretty easy, but I so found far. I found those years of thirteen to fifteen, sixteen intense, very intense. Yeah, a lot of emotional things going on for teenagers. I agree. It's hard. And it's hard to you know that saying. You're only as happy as your least happy child you know <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think the key is to be what, what what's some advice you give being a parent especially a parent of of two successful musicians and artists too like and, and i i just i love just seeing the doc it was very emotional to watch it was it was a beautiful doc and just seeing how you guys still live in the same place and you guys grew up there and it's this tight family regardless of all the insanity that's going around it's it's a very it's a very humble loving tight family it's it's beautiful man Oh, thank it you. It really is. It's and that's that's credit to you guys as parents, you know. Well, thank you. I mean, we we we've tried. We've tried. We we I would it's say working. I'd say first of all, we did some parenting classes that really oh, wow. really helped. Okay. Yeah, really helped. Um when we had two children. <laughs> we yeah. have this, like no matter how hard your first one is, yeah. high need, challenging, intense. It's okay. You get two you know, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I need, I need a little help. Mm-hmm. So we went to, it was called the Center for Nonviolent Education and Parenting. Now it's called the Echo Center. Oh, wow. And it's based on the work of Marshall Rosenberg, okay. who wrote Nonviolent Communication. And that was profound for us, I think. That really influenced everything we do and everything we did in our parenting. Yeah. And it really, it really made the difference. Wow. Um, I highly recommend parenting classes by something like a nonviolent communication yeah. philosophy yeah um that it's it's really it's really helpful in everything in the way you think about things you know yeah i mean you know it's this philosophy of like we all have we all have the same universal needs yeah and everything we do is a strategy to meet our needs right and that. there are some strategies that are more effective than others and some strategies that are healthier yeah. than others but they're all just strategies yeah. right so anything anyone's doing is a strategy to meet their need and is there another strategy maybe you know, yeah, uh, and being empathetic—it's all about being empathetic. Hundred percent. So those were—I I cannot recommend that enough. Um, wow. And the other thing is sort of silly, you know. I mean, sing, make music, play, have fun with your kids. Yeah. 
and create. Um, create, be creative, do join in. And also listen, I think it's harder for parents now because of phones and technology that only crept into our lives about, you know, teenage years. Yeah. I think that's really hard. So um, hard. And to, to get del- them off what you mean. And to yeah. delineate between what is fun and creative and of course they're doing it. And then what is like, you know, the parents on the phone, the kids on the phone, the kids. What on is the real life and what isn't? As what well, is real life? Too. Yeah, I think that I think that is the biggest parenting challenge people face agree, now. Man. And I would even be hesitant to to say much because I don't feel like I had to encounter it the way people do now. Yeah. Um. You know, you got to make more life interesting, I guess. And and and, but also like we didn't live in a big house, and although that has its challenges, especially now. Um, it's nice to have your kids close. You I know, agree. kids can get really far away in big houses and you don't mm-hmm. know what they're up to. And, yeah. you know, I mean, like, really, you want to be the person they comes to and that you see what's going on and that yeah. you, you know, um, a lack of, you know, it's just, I just think it can be easy for people to get too distant from their, you know, a lot of, a lot of our society phones make the distance too sometimes phones right? for sure. Talking and cause phone. you don't know who they're talking to. You don't I know, know who it's scary. There's so much stuff on there. And we have a whole society that promotes this kind of weird independence. Like, of course you mm. want your kids to grow up to be self-sufficient and yeah. critical thinkers and all that. But this weird disconnect of closeness of parents of push away, push away, you know, we had a family bed. We were long-term, you know, a nurse for a long time. Like it was about connection, attachment, yeah. attachment, parenting, right? And that continued on. Like you want to be involved in your kid's life. You, you want to be close. You know, you know, people have this kind of like send them off to camp and send them away and send them to do this. And the more hours they're at school, the better. And the more hours we don't have to see them. It's like, nah, nah. I don't like that. No, hang with them. Do get the best hours of their life. Not just the hardest, right? Like, you know, that was the homeschooling thing. It's like, it's sometimes the hardest hours of the day are like getting them out the door to school and then home with the homework. And we were like, we also want the good parts. Like we want to, we want to drive you to your homeschool sports class totally. and, you know, play catch. I, you know? That, I already missed that already, man, with no yeah. school last year. I would drive Max every day, but there's no school last year. So, like, now he's a senior graduating, online school. It just, I'm never going to have those moments again unless I listen to music, driving to school anymore. Yeah. You want to work that into your life as much as possible. You know, it's you know? good that Billy's her age and she's still at home. He's 18. I'm like, see, you don't have to move out yet. Like, you can stay <laughs> as long as you want. I'll build some of the garage. Like, that thing, that scares me so much because, like, I don't know. I just, he's my only kid, you know? Yeah. Well, Phineas moved out at 21. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And as somebody said, when when, uh, when Phineas was a baby, we went up to Seattle. My husband was doing a play. And we met some people in there. We had Phineas in a sling, a little baby, yeah. you know? And they're like, <laughs> oh, our youngest just left for college today. And of course, I started crying. Like, I'm already worried. You know? like, <laughs> and I was like, how do, you, how do you cope with it? And he was like, they wean you. And, mm. um... I didn't really find that so much. Did but you have that leaving the nest thing? Yeah, like I think that there, you know, but I think, I think there is, you know, but Phineas when he was 21, you know, they start to, I don't know. It was hard. I'm not going to be, yeah. it was definitely hard, but you know, it was great to live in the same city. I really feel oh, for yeah. people who, like they go, you know, All I left the country. I left home. I went off to college. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't come back, you I know, know. I, I came about that, like. I came back for like Christmas break and and a little in the summer, but I was mainly gone. Like you, you really know? didn't think about what your parents thought when you left. You you you're gonna do you live your life, <laughs> yeah. but then when you become we like, 
Yeah. Oh, man. I remember, Please don't do that to I, me. Don't, don't do what I did. Yeah. I remember crying. My mom was crying. I was driving away. Like, And, you know, then I went off and, you know, it was all great. But it wasn't also great. It, you know, you're, you need your parents for a while. You know, there's yeah. a lot of stuff in life. This, I mean, my kids are in the music industry, yeah. Billy especially was so young. But, you know, I mean, what kid at 19 is going to do their taxes, you know? know. <laughs> it's crazy how many kids don't drive now. I don't know if it's a California thing. Kids are Ubering, getting rides with friends. Like, nobody wants to get their license. Like, Yeah, because they're, they're so connected on their social media. It used to be you mm. had to drive to go see somebody. Yeah. You know, like you couldn't hang out virtually, you know? It's so weird. Yeah. Was there, was there one moment where you realized your kids were going to do this? For a living, they're gonna be music. This is what they were gonna do. At a young age, saw something or well, but Billy never did. She sang, yeah, all the time. She sang more than talked. She sang everything. You know, she sang what you wanted for breakfast. She sang, okay. But you know, I wasn't thinking career. Just was fun. And then she was in the choir. And Phineas at three was obsessed with music. You know, they say what you have when you're three is what you can have when you're 13. Mm. Very true for both of our kids. Okay. Um, at three, Phineas wanted for Christmas a conducting baton wow. and a hi-hat cymbal <laughs> and a throne. That's wow. what he wanted for Christmas. And it was my father's last Christmas. <laughs> wow. And we went to Colorado and, I ha- and my father... You know, had oxygen, and wow. he and Phineas was conducting him with his baton. He was three, and you know that was everything. And then that kind of changed. He got into other things, but um, when he was like twelve, he just became laser focused on music. Yeah. And then Billy. So, but you know, again, you know, what what is that going to turn into? Yeah. Choir, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, musical theater. Um, making music, you know, I didn't know this was going to happen. Yeah. No, I, and also to be real, I spent my adult life as an actor Yeah. and in the acting business, you know, people get famous and are successful sometimes with very little talent, hugely talented people barely get a break. Yeah. There's not a lot of consistent, you know, so we didn't. We weren't living in a business where it was like, you work hard and this happens. It, it's yeah. just not that way in the acting business. Yeah. It just really isn't. Um, it's a grind. It's like one job to the next. We yeah. We paid again. Yeah. All and, that. And, and it's just, you know, not to say that there aren't extremely talented people who become extremely successful, but there's also extremely talented people who absolutely do not. So Never get a shot. So I didn't have a real feeling of like, you know, just do this and this will happen. Yeah. Ever. You know, yeah. it's like, so really I had do what you love. Do what you love. love do it because you love it. Love it. The, the reward is in the doing. You know, the reward is always in the doing. Yeah. And the what comes out of it. Look, if you love to make music and you never make money at it, then you'll make music and you'll make money do something else. Totally. You know, that that's what I did. I love yeah. to make music. I love to write songs. I did it for fun. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, you think it's true when they say you never work a day in your life if you do something you love? Is that because you I, work so hard and, and, I, your, do- and your family works so hard? Well, I think it's not really true because <laughs> that would be true if you if if it was straightforward. Yeah. You know, you'll never work a day if you do something you love and it's the kind of thing that you can just do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, somewhat true in music, but you know, you might have to go work a day in your life to be able to afford it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got to work. Yeah. You know, if you make, you know, I, I did, I did a lot of jobs. You know, I taught a lot of things. I happen to like teaching, but 
you know, there was a time we went from being like working class actors, both sort of making enough to then there was a time when it really wasn't enough. And so, you know, I just added teaching to what I did. Do you still want to act now? Are you kind of done with that chapter and this became what you're doing no, now? No, I mean, I, I, you know, it's complicated now. I still, still do. Still busy. Yeah, I still do act as a, a voiceover. Okay. ADR looper. Awesome. Kind of how I make a living. Okay. How I get my health insurance, I would awesome. say more. Um, but um, it's, I, I don't have a lot of time for yeah. it. So I, I, you know, I certainly can't do it when I'm in tour. But I love to act. I did a, I, like I did that Zach Galifianakis, you know, thing that I got cut out of. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that though. I love him between the front. I love that. Yeah. Well, it was a scene like they went, had a family dinner. It's all gone. Um, but, you know, I, I did, I've done a few things still. But you're I mean, so busy. Do you, do you actually sleep? Like, do you get good hours of sleep? No, I definitely don't get enough sleep. It's a problem. It is. Like, it seems well, like also, by the way, we came home from tour and Billy on the way home. Okay. We took the tour bus home because the pandemic, you yeah. know, we were in, we were in North Carolina, I think it was like tours over, go home. I was like, we're just going to stay in this tour bus and drive home because we can go to an airport. Nah, and no, that no, was no, scary. No. Right. No. So we took the tour bus home. It was great because it was full of food. So we came Perfect. home with like full of food. <laughs> um, and, on the, street? No. Yeah, well, they dumped us off. But yeah. on the way home, Billy calls Angel City Pitbulls. Hey, do you have any fosters? We had a, two foster puppies the next morning. Oh, my God. And we have our old dog, our wonderful dog, Pepper, and a cat. And we had two foster puppies, which was amazing. But mom did not want Billy to not sleep because, mm. you know... She needs her sleep. She's a growing girl. So yeah. I, I took on the job of, you know, the two hour waking up to go wow. pee and poop and feed. And yeah, so I didn't really get a lot. And then we started support and feed and that was the end of sleep. So for this year, when so many people were like, oh, I got so much sleep this year. I was like, <laughs> I got no sleep this year. It was so stressful. But um, when's the last time you had a vacation? Vacation. Um... You know, vacation is not something we've ever done much of, to be honest. Bad, bad, because you're a stupid actor. This is the one thing I hate about being an actor. I hated that you could never commit to things, you know? Yeah. Like, we'd go on a family vacation, and sure enough, oh, got a big audition, got to go home, you know? Or, like, got a job, need the health insurance, have to go home and do it. And... um and we didn't have much money. So vacations yeah. were like going to visit um, some friends or relatives in the East Coast. But we did take a few days this summer. This summer. I don't know. This winter? This yeah. spring? Well, I don't know what season it is. Who knows? Um, we did go stay in it. Somebody offered us to stay in their house for a few days. That's cool. And the whole family went. And that was really, really staycation nice. staycation type thing? A staycation. wasn't very far away. Okay. Yeah. And That's awesome. it was nice. Um, I mean, wow. But vacations, you know, like we've gotten some vacations in on tour, you yeah. know, like we worked them in, you know, like... Not Start in the beginning. In different countries or whatever. Not, yeah, not in the beginning. It was, yeah. But um, yeah, we'd be like, okay, when we're in Australia, you know, let's have this one day yeah. and we'll like make the most of it. We'll go take a boat and, yeah. you know, um, go, you know, snorkeling. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my final questions is, you can see yourself an optimist or pessimist, but you are a total optimist. You are so positive. <laughs> Your energy is contagious. And that's what I love about you. I, I'm, I'm a big on the positive mental attitude and seeing the good in everything and living in my little positive bubble and trying to make the world a better place. And you, you, you like, you have that so much. Well, um, I think I do. 
I am by nature, I think, pretty optimistic. Um, I, you know, though, I know you're really into mental health. I've definitely had mental health challenges. I've definitely sure. suffered from, from clinical too. depression, et cetera, at times. And, you know, it's something I'm very aware of. So yeah. I don't think they're, I don't think they're disconnected. You know, one is chemical and, you know, yeah. um, but yeah, I think I am, I am definitely optimistic by nature, which is funny because I, I think my, I think some of my family is not. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I think some people who are not think of people who are as kind of stupid. <laughs> and annoying. <laughs> annoying, yeah. yeah. Like I think too if... Too happy. Or yeah, too happy. And I mean, I'm not like <laughs> jolly happy, but um, um, because I'm also into comedy and, you know, that's by nature kind of cynical in a way. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just by nature kind of am forgiving and look at the bright side. Yeah, and, but you can feel your compassion and love for what you... What, what you're all about you know you have, a, you have an energy you know what i mean it's, it's a great energy i think i have a lot of empathy mm. which can be hard too yeah because empathy can i saw something the other day i was like it was like speaking to me <laughs> it was like you're supposed to climb the mountain not carry the mountain that's great <laughs> i was like oh was that written for me because yeah i do feel like i do suffer from i'm never doing enough i never wow. i never feel like i'm doing enough for the world right wow. to be to never ever feel like it you're <laughs> because doing, you're doing a lot you're well but person. you know you aren't you can never do enough that's the problem yeah. you know because there that's is frustrating that is frustrating you want to fix it yeah and you know that's hard so i think though getting through is like trying to do the some good things you know yeah and and try to feel like you know <sighs> you put yourself out there like you are just i don't know man just everything that you do is awesome oh, well. and you use that platform in such a positive way. It's so important. Well, that I mean, I think that the platform thing is really interesting. You know, I feel like it's my big, uh, you know, it's my big goal too for my kids, you know. Yeah. You're that, a role model for so many people that never even met you. Well, you're like you're nice. like a mother figure to so many. I see the comments, like just doing the lies with you, just so many people. And, that, and that's a lot to take on as well too. You know what I mean? Like, Well, those people, those the people who are commenting and the people, the Billy's fans, you know, all, they're, they're amazing. They have been so inspiring to me. Yeah. Being on tour with Billy, like, I mean, it'll make me cry a drop of a hat thinking of them because they, they're just incredible. These people, you know, yeah. these young people, they're so full of passion and love. Unconditional and love. Unconditional yeah. love. And they're, some of them are going through so much. Yeah. You know, and, and they've really meant so much to me. And the love they give Billy and the love they she give each other. She saved a lot other, of people's lives with her music. That's so crazy. It's it's so true, though. Music is so fucking powerful, Music is man. so powerful. Music is, it is so powerful, you know. And uh, and I know, to be honest, she can't take a lot of that in. It's a lot of, I'm it's sure. a burden, you know, to, to yeah. it's a, a lot to bear, you know. And yeah. she can't, she can't take in all the love, to be honest. It's mm -hmm. hard, hard to take it all in. I can't, I can't imagine. I yeah. just... But the the kids are the kids, the people, all the they're just I don't know. They're yeah. amazing. I wish I could give I mean, and you can't believe the things I've seen, you know. I'm like sure. sometimes or I remember messages. You check your DMs? I do, but I can't take them. I, I can't, can't go imagine. too far with them. But like for example, I remember being in Australia at this show. And you know, I mean, I'm um at that time again it was me, Billy and Phineas, and yeah. it was exhausting and it was a lot and it was stressful and I'm doing my best to keep her happy and keep her safe and keep her well. And then I'm standing in the audience and I'm standing next to a mom 
whose daughter is in a wheelchair and wow. she's got cerebral palsy and she's, you know, and, I, and this mom is just doing everything for this daughter and the daughter's a fan and, and I was able to like get her to go backstage and, you know, I was like, yeah. and there I am feeling like, oh, I'm doing so much, you know, but then, you know, you, people are doing a lot out there. Parent, yeah. People are doing a lot for others, yeah. their family included in, you know. I think you're doing the best you can with, getting the least sleep possible. I think, <laughs> I think you're like, you know, the best you can do every 24 hours a day. I think you, when you wake up, you just want to do so much and, and people feel that and it resonates and it just resonates and it's infectious. And I, I don't know. I think that don't doubt yourself. You're doing a lot. Thank you. But you got to sleep too, girl. I'm going to try to get, I am trying to get more sleep. The puppy is better. The, yeah. pu the dog shark now sleeps. Mostly he doesn't wake me up until time to get up. So that's a big yeah. change. And you gotta be so proud. I can't imagine how proud you are of your whole family. It's just yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's always a so word. That's a word that's like it's kind of it's kind of a it's a hard word. Cause yeah, it is a hard word. It's kind yeah. of shame is kind of the opposite, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of a hard world. Like it implies some kind of ownership, but yeah. But true. you know, I just love what they're doing. I love that they are giving so much and that they are sticking. You know, they're speaking out and they're yeah, they are using their platform and 100%. that you know they have a superpower. You know, they have a superpower, you know, that you got to use it for good. You and know, the inspired just about like even being conscious of what you eat, just through just all that. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's such a positive way. Nothing like you have to be like me. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. leading by example. Leading like by you, example. Like you did. Yeah. Make it a, make it an option. You know? Yeah. I know. It's kind of funny. You know, when you're a long timer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like. I love seeing the world change, though. It's incredible it's so, to be alive right now. Wow, we made it. Like, wow, it's really better. Yeah. It seemed like it was never going to happen. Yeah, it seemed like it was. It was only a small group of people. Yeah. And now it seems like it It really can. It really can change. I mean, there's options every single place you can. Every place you go to, there's some sort of option. Mm-hmm. You know? It's incredible. So you think that you think the world's a little blurry sums up everything we've talked about, kind of? <laughs> if people watch that doc, they'll get everything. So much of you guys. You know what? I, I always think of that song, actually, Elo Milo. It's one of my favorite songs of of, uh, of theirs. And, uh, be, and I always think of it as a parenting song, you yeah. know, of like, don't go out in the world, you know, stay here yeah. with me. Let me yeah. protect you. Yeah. The world's blurry, something in my eyes. You know, I think of it as a parenting song. They kind of channel stuff. And I, sometimes I don't even think they know where they get it. You know, yeah. like they write the song and I'm like, you know that's about this, you know. Like I don't. Yeah. They're like, no, it's not. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. But um, <laughs> they're channeling feelings and emotions around them, you know. It's incredible. But that song, I think, yeah, it, the world is blurry. It's 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 complicated and yeah. You just gotta try to do I your best. I think you did great. You guys did a great job raising your kids. I'm gonna be, gonna be fine out there. You know Thank what I mean? You. The compassion yeah. and love and I don't know. And a great team around them. You know, yeah. that's that matters. Making yeah. sure they're surrounded by people that are good and. You know, some people, you know, some things slip through, you know, unfortunately. But I love that you're there. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you so you. much so for being here. So great to meet this, you. This incredible, Max man. didn't come in and talk to Max, us. Max, where you at? This was so good. I'm so happy to have this time with you. I know you're so busy. And well, I, I feel so I feel emotional. Here. You made me emotional too, which is good. Well, I you feel like we should have known each other so many years ago. I know, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Max was signing off. You want to say anything? Are you awake? I think he's asleep. He comes home and starts... Jeanette, thank you so much too for being here as well, and thank everything you, you do too for She's supporting amazing. feed. And uh, it's so honored. To, it's awesome to have met you guys. You know what I mean? Have you guys part of my life now and being connected to you? Well, thank you. Guys, thank you, you for being a part humans. of support and feed, and you know, making uh, helping us so much. 
really yeah. makes such a difference. We, we think we covered a lot of things. We did. We covered a lot of things. Max, you missed out. Him. You missed out, kid. I think um, he's, he's dead asleep. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Toby. You guys are awesome. Bye, everybody. Thanks Bye. for listening. That was amazing. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I love Maggie. I love everything she represents, her and her family, trying to make this world a better place. I appreciate hearing the backstory. Sometimes people um, don't talk about stuff from a long, long time ago, and I love doing deep dives on people and getting their history, and uh, it's really, 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 really inspiring. So thank you, Maggie, so much. If you want to support and donate, text the word FEED to 707-070. Support, support and feed. It's a great cause. It's a great nonprofit. Look them up on Instagram. Look them up online. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning in. That was incredible.